BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Are you looking for some good, clean positivity? Good, me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Good day. I have coffee in my hand. Life is good. We are getting through another week, which I mean, every single week, I feel like there's a part of me that's like, yes, another week. And then there's like, oh, I just got to get through. (laughs) And then I get to the weekend. I'm like, oh, I have so much to do on the weekend. But wherever you are and whatever, how this week is going, I'm so glad you're here today. Today's chat is going to be really a cool one for me to learn because we're talking about size inclusivity, plus size clothing. It feels like we've progressed so much. Have we? Do we have a ways to go? What are all the little conversations to have in between? So I'm bringing on Gianluca Russo into the show to talk about their new book, The Power of Plus, and we're going to talk all about it. Okay, welcome them to the show. All right, Gianluca, tell me a little bit about yourself and what brought you to write this book, The Power of Plus. Yeah, well, I started writing about fashion and about living in a plus size body as soon as I got into college, really. I mean, it was something that, of course, had always impacted me throughout my childhood and adolescence. And so when I got to college, I started to read more about this body positivity revolution that was going on. Um, and specifically, mm. I was looking at the pages of Teen Vogue, which were changing so rapidly at that time and, and really drew my attention. And so I saw this conversation shifting so fast and I wanted to be a part of it. I knew that my personal experience could lend itself to this conversation and to the, the work that was being done. Um, and so I kind of just dove right in and started to learn more and just consumed as much kind of media information I could about body positivity and what it was. And through that, I found kind of this fashion community. And I'd always had an interest in fashion growing up, but it was something that I never felt I really 
could partake in, something that I didn't feel I had a space in. And so I always kind of put it on the back burner. But once I got to college and started to see these conversations happening, I thought, this is somewhere I can go. This is somewhere I can have an impact and also explore a side of myself that I've never really been able to do before. So I started writing up plus size fashion routine Vogue. Um, and it kind of just took off really fast from there. And what I found is just there were so many stories that hadn't been told yet that were just so inspiring. And I went to Fashion Week in 2019 in September, and I was speaking with Hunter McGrady, who I interviewed so many times that one Fashion Week. I love her. I she's have, the best. She's a friend of mine now. I feel like I forced my way in, but I love her. She's like the best and so inspiring. And the best. As is Fashion Week, it took this huge stand that she wasn't going to attend any shows that weren't inclusive. And it just really felt like something so empowering and important to do. And I wanted to follow her example. So during this fashion week, I interviewed over 40 people in the plus side space about their experiences. And I knew I wanted to find a way to honor them and to tell these stories in a manner that was bigger than just one or two magazine articles. I had spent the time mm. writing for Teen Vogue and GQ and Glamour and all these magazines. But I wanted to do something that felt like a bigger celebration that brought them all together rather than doing just singular articles. And so I came up with an idea to write a book that talked about the evolution of plus size fashion and specifically about the people who've brought it to life and how they've done that. So I grew up in a plus size body and I, well, like what, at the time I'm like, it was barely, like it wasn't even, but it was almost impossible for me to get close. Like I was a size 12, 14 when I was 12 and 14 years old. And my parents used to have to drive me to the States because I'm in Canada and we didn't have old Navy and old Navy was the only place that even carried denim above a size 12. And so I, I remember going through like my entire high school years, everything like that, being very used to not being able to shop with my friends, being very used to having these like singular shopping trips where we would have to go and get the stuff and leggings. When when leggings became popular, I felt such relief because it was something at least I could fit into. And then I remember I went down the path of like losing weight and realize how much more access I had to stuff. Like I could literally go everywhere. And that felt so empowering until I was hit with the mass amount of resentment and sadness and trauma from, you know, all those years before from the lack of being able to do that. Now I've grown in size again. I'm still straight size, but I'm at the edge of it. And I recently went to LA and I was like brought right back to who I was as a teenager where it was like, sorry, we don't have that. Or sorry, it's in the back. Like, or we have to get it out of the back to get your size. We only carry up to a size like six or eight in the front of the store. And I I witness now so many friends like Hunter McGrady talking about how plus size fashion is continuing to get, like it's a diff, it's growing so much. And yet there is so far to go. So in all of these interviews and everything you've done, how do you feel like it is now? Because a lot of people will say, well, at least there's options, there's stuff going on, things are changing, give it time. But at the same time, when I walk into a store and I see a plus size section, I'm still like, I remember what it was like to have to leave my friends to go to that section. And then at the same time, I'm hearing from plus size community saying, it's harder for us when it's all together. We like having things separate. There's so many conversations going on. What are some of the highlights that you would say where 
there's a lot of empowerment happening and where there's a lot of struggle happening in terms of plus size clothing and fashion in general. Absolutely. I think what's difficult is that there's kind of a separation here between the conversations happening and then the actual product what's available. And so mm. the conversation, I think, you know, we're continue to grow there, right? People feel what body positivity is. They feel kind of this empowering message. It's becoming wide known. It's something that's, you know, more popular now. And so in terms of representation, we're kind of getting better and better. We're seeing more representation, whether it's on the runways and campaigns, it's getting better year after year. What's not necessarily getting better at a rate we would hope it would is what's actually available. And so while a lot of these brands are now capitalizing on this topic of representation, they're not actually giving clothes, right? They're not actually expanding their sizes. So it might look great and feel great from the outside. But then, like you said, when you go to the mall or you go to the stores, they don't have your options or it's in the back or, you know, it feels still so regressive and so like in the past. It feels like not a lot of time. Okay. So it's like seeing the runway of all of these amazing fashion options that you would feel are available, but when you go into the store, they're not actually there. Right. And there's this huge disconnect because you think it would be, and then you show up and you're like, if I can only shop at Old Navy, like where else am I shopping in this mall? Right. And there is nowhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people have turned to online shopping because that's become what they are more used to. And so one thing that I've noticed lately is a lot of stores who are trying out plus size are like, it's not working as almost as if you can just have the clothes there and expect everyone to just like flock to your store. Not everybody would have that awareness. Not everybody is used to being able to leave their home to go shopping for clothing. There's so much more. I think one of the bigger frustrations I've had, the more I kind of peel back the layers and while still owning my privilege of being able to shop anywhere is the fact that oversized clothing is all the rage right now. And oversized clothing is essentially in many ways, plus size clothing. If you can make an oversized shirt for a size six woman, why can't you make a regular shirt for, you know, regular women who might be more than a size 12? It is like, to me, really interesting. And one thing that maybe I would love for your input on this, where do men stand in this? Because one thing that was pointed out on a TikTok I saw was they were like looking around Walmart and they were like women's, women's plus maternity whatever. And then it goes to men's, just men's. There is no dividing. And, and some people were like, well, there's big and tall stores for sure. But in general, they just, everything has typically been together. But as your experience as a male, what has it been finding fashion options along the way as well? Is there gaps for men in fashion when it comes to finding their size as well? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, kind of the men's plus size fashion movement is far behind the women's, right? Because it it feels like something that necessarily isn't a huge conversation behind. Mm. The good part about it, and like you mentioned, men's clothing is really never separated by size, right? Like if those sizes are carried, they're all put together. There's not a distinctive plus men's versus straight size men's. On the flip side, it's difficult because the majority of these brands aren't going past the average size of an American man, which is around, you know, a 38, 40 waist. And so they're not really going past that. So it's hard to know. And I think I'm someone who, while I don't think things should be separated, I think those labels hold value right now because you just don't know which brands carry your size or not. So when a brand says, oh, we carry plus size, we carry big and tall, it's an indicator that you can shop there, right? But for the men's brands that we have, it's hard because you have to look and see what's your actual size range because you're not going to differentiate most of the time unless it's a specific big and tall brand. 
But I think mm. that conversation, you know, is definitely slow moving. I think we don't have the representation there. We don't necessarily have the statistics to back it up. Brands aren't diving in. You know, plus size men's clothing has always kind of been available if we're looking at like suiting and, and things that are bigger. But when it comes to matching that up to the average size of an American man, it's not going much farther than that. So there's a huge lack of clothing and a huge amount of potential there to be explored. What are you seeing when you're writing the book and talking to so many people? What were sort of some key moments that were like big takeaways that you felt were maybe the most impactful or that you hadn't even really become aware of before? One of the things that really got to me emotionally and and really struck a chord with me was this chapter that's all about modeling. And it's particularly about, you know, tokenization and modeling. And it's called Curse Mm -hmm. of the Token curve girl. And I think it's something that we talk about a lot, right? We talk about tokenization and and reflecting a spectrum and the importance of that. But really getting into it and talking to these models who had experienced the behind the scenes of being the only one on set, you know, being told they have to pad up or they have to lose weight, being told all these messages and still at the end of the day, pushing themselves because they knew the impact that it would have on their audience to get through that, to have that reputation. It felt like such an empowering moment, but also one that was so revealing of of what this culture still is like in some ways. Mm. Um, Because these women, you know, even today, a lot of them are going through difficult moments behind the scenes. It's not this welcoming atmosphere all the time, but they're pushing through, they're continuing to do that. And I think that really represents kind of this entire movement, right? It's not like we've solved this huge issue and everyone's accepted and everything's great. All these issues are still in place, Of course, we have more conversation, more resources now, but these things are still happening. But the difference is now we are pushing through together to get to this inclusive future. And so that chapter for me really encompasses the entire message of we are working together to get there. We're not there yet. And these are all the things that stand in our way, whether it's tokenization, racism within the industry, phobia in the industry. These are all still ahead of us. But now we're together in a way we've never been before. And it's through that togetherness that we're going to be able to get to that inclusive future. I think you're so right when you say that, because I think a lot of times people who might exist in thinner bodies, like myself, might feel very like, well, it's not necessary. Not that I do feel this. I'm just saying you might feel this. It's not my issue. Like, I don't struggle with it personally. So it's really hard to like stay in tune with what's going on when you're not facing it as a daily struggle. But one thing that I'll say is as somebody who's kind of flipped between being plus size into being straight size and everywhere kind of in between is that great awareness of how society treats you when you are of a different size, even as much as like the access to clothing. A lot of people love their fashion. So to think of the idea of going on vacation or, you know, going through a pregnancy or going through a change in life in which your body reflects that and you now lose access to a ton of different things. This is not just one person's issue. Our fat phobia is so rooted in wanting to be a part of something, to want to be a part of things. And even Hunter McGrady, like somebody that I would think has access to, you know, the best in plus size fashion came through this year saying, you know, I was, I think she said she was like a double XL before her son. And she's like, now I'm a three X and I'm having a really hard time finding anything. Like she was able to find so much more. She's like, I want the cute stuff. I don't want just printed t-shirts and really like Mumu, like how do I get this stuff? And people were flooding her with like different tips and recommendations it wasn't common knowledge to be able to find these things. You couldn't just Google it and just find it automatically. It took community coming together for that and people who were of those size. 
So when she talks about, yeah, that is sure directly impacting her. But what I think for someone like me, who's like combating their fear of food and their fat phobia every single day based on life experience, that understanding that I will have less access to society, to life, to privileges based on my body size continues to restrict and limit my life as well. Like to be selfish for one second, it it does impact everybody the way that fashion is um, othering a lot of the plus size community. And there is that tokenism. And there's the fact that we grew up watching America's Next Top Model where like a size six was a plus size. I actually found the first woman, the first ever plus size model that came out of America's Next Top Model. And I was like, how I had a moment where I was like, where, how big was she? And I went and I found her. She was a size six. She was a size six. And then I went in a deeper dive and I was like, what is the average size of a plus size model? This was a few years back. And the size was six, eight. And then it was like, or eight, like 10 max. Like they weren't actually even wearing plus size clothes. How much of that have you seen shifting even in the last like few years as you've been kind of like diving into that? Is there a lot more like beyond just tokenism? Are we seeing more like range of size? A lot of people are coining the midsize term. How do you feel about that? Are people just kind of finding their place? Because even within you look at, I feel like places feel what you will about the Kardashians, what good American did for the sizing online really changed a lot of people's lives. The changing of mannequins really helped people. But for things like that, where do you think that, do you think we have even further to go? Or do you think that this is almost like a little bit, I have a fear that brands are sort of jumping on, like it's a fad. And I don't know if there's actual commitment in the long term to continue hiring models, to continue to not just like go back to like what we were before. What are your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we're absolutely seeing it change, which is exciting. If you go back to, you know, the early days of America's Next Time Model, like you said, one of the first kind of models they brought on to be a coach to the girls was Kate Dillon, who was this huge curve model back in the day. But Kate Dillon was a size six. And, and she tells a story in the book of what that was like, you know, going from being a size zero to a size six and, and what that was like. And, you know, being able to incorporate her into the first chapter was really revealing because it shows what that time period was like as opposed to now. And I think now we're seeing that change. We're seeing a more spectrum. And I think that's what's important. You know, the future of fashion is not plus size fashion. The future is size inclusive. That means a full spectrum. That means all people included. So what Good American yeah. has done, for instance, has really had an impact, right? People can feel mm-hmm. seen across the spectrum. The more we see that entire spectrum, I think the more benefit we're going to get out of it. What's hard is, like you said, a lot of the brands are jumping on this as a fad. They don't necessarily see this as something that's going to revolutionize their business. They see it as something that can make them money right in this moment because it's a hot topic, right? It's something that they'll mm-hmm. maybe go viral. Makes them look good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what they want at the moment. But they're not necessarily investing in a long-term strategy here that's going to have an impact down the line. That's what's really difficult here and frustrating. And, and you know, of course, there are brands that are trying to do that in the right way. They're, but it's something that there's so much in Involved, you know, there's so many different mm-hmm. moving parts here that have to be considered. And it takes time to do that. It's not something that can just happen automatically. I mean, look how long it's taken us to get here, right? We can't expect then perfection is going to happen right away. It's going to take a long time to get to the point where the full spectrum is represented at all these major brands. Yeah. I, I think you're so right. I was talking, uh, I was hanging out with Alicia McCarvel recently, and we were talking about this and just this idea that brands are going to be perfect and that we like, we almost like need them to and forgetting that they're like 
learning alongside of us a little bit too. Like I almost sometimes have to be like friends are humans. Like they're, they're humans collectively that are making business decisions based on human ideas and errors and whatnot. And she said that like a lot of times when people are like, but what about this? And what about when like this use of language or like when somebody says they're size inclusive and they only go to a three X, is that inclusive? Like that's not all. So, you know, all of these little, we're trying, but there's little mistakes along the way. And she was like, find me a brand that's like not making mistakes. And it's like, yeah, find me a human that's not making mistakes. And this sort of idea that, but progress is happening. But what would you think, just from your own personal opinion, as somebody who sort of like decided to go in and sort of take a microscope to this topic, what would you say that people who are not struggling to find their size, who are straight size, who might be listening, going, where do I fall into this? What can I do to be a part of the change? Is there something that we can be doing? Is it something as simple as I had somebody on the podcast before who was in a disabled body. And she was like, when you see a push button that's broken or a ramp that's not there, it would be better if you were the one to go and ask for that to be fixed or for that to be there so that I am not stuck in a situation of being on the outside of that door, not having a way in. And that's always changed my perspective. Every single time now the button doesn't work, I just quickly go up to the front and I'm like, hey, just so you know, the the wheelchair button isn't working. It's so easy for me to do that, but it changed my perspective. So I wonder the same for a topic like this, where a lot of us feel very on the outside. What is something that we could be doing that might actually help progress these conversations and the industry in general. It really is such a community effort. And mm-hmm. about it in that way is what's going to really get us to where we need to be. So brands want to hear that demand. They want to hear that we need this clothing, right? It's something that despite we know the statistics, right? That's over 68% of American women are plus size. Brands still want to hear. Did you say 68%? 68% of American women. Wow. Okay. So amazing. It's a huge majority, right? But they need to hear it more. They want to see it in action. So speaking mm. up is the best way, right? When a brand drops a new line, if it doesn't go past the 12, say something, a message. It doesn't necessarily yeah. need to be a huge thing that you have to do, but something with yeah. a message. If you have an access to a brand, say something. If you're with your plus size friend and there's no option there, even though the brand advertises it, Bring it up to the store manager, ask them, why aren't they here? Get the response, figure it out. Just asking those questions is going to make a difference because it's going to show the tangible demand that they can then feed into. So mm-hmm. That's what they want. They want to know that the that people are there to shop. I think that was the difficult thing with Old Navy situation and why they had to scale back on Plus because they didn't necessarily look at specific demand. They just kind of, this yeah. overarching effort, but you need to look at the specific demand in specific locations. You need to kind of adjust to that. So the more we speak mm-hmm. out and say, this is what we want. This is why we need it. And here's where this community is. Show them the community, show them the people there, show them these personal experiences. The more that we can kind of band together and do that and just make it a point of conversation. I think we'll see more effort, but it's just a, a matter of reminding these brands until they finally get it and finally invest in it, that we're not just here, but we're been here for so long. It's an underserved market. People are more than ready to shop. And so really speak to them, go to that community, bring in those voices. So anytime you have a chance to really incorporate this topic into the work that we're doing, even if it's just a conversation of DMing a brand and asking a question, right? Or any connections you have just saying something or just amplifying the voices who are saying something, right? You know, if you don't have anything to add, that's fine. Give someone else kind of a shout out, do something to help them in their efforts. The more we kind of look at it from a community aspect, I think that's what's going to get us to this inclusive future. 
I, I love that so much. And honestly, like even for myself, when I first did like my first clothing collapse, I remember we came out and I, we went up to like a two X and people were like, ah, oh, like really, really thought we would do better than that. And I was like, dang, like nobody's even going above like an XL most places. And I went to a two X. I really had to sit with that and go back to the brand and go, I'm not doing any more unless we do a minimum of like a 4X. And what's been really fascinating is sitting down with these brands and expressing that like there is community ask here. We have a high demand. We have customers waiting and they're ready to go. So the very first one that we released in a 4X that was like a 4X, 5X, it was the fastest to sell out. And and that was like a huge wake up call and not just the fastest to show like to sell out because we only only had a few of them genuinely because there was a push and we were able to say, you know what, this is there now. People who were in my community even saying like, it's so hard to find this. And like, I'm not just trying to my own horn. I'm just trying to say like, in the sense of there is actually a huge customer base, almost every single collab now that I've done in clothing or in fashion of any way that goes up to a four X they sell more than the other sizes. They sell fast. They sell amazingly. The models are incredible, especially when there's models who are already those sizes that represent that clothes. Then their following is seeing that. And they're now, you end up getting such a huge customer base. It's been really cool over the last couple of years to see brands that I've had the opportunity just to have conversation with and be like, we have demand here. And not only that, but it changed their brands across the board right? Like it, that might feel like such a small thing, but it was hard at the time to be like, you're not doing enough and not like that. But like, we actually genuinely have people so ready to buy this clothes. They want to be in your stuff. Do you think that we can expand the sizing and them going back? And the one thing I had to learn a lot was like how fashion works, how a lot of people were just scaling clothing size up. And, and I understood now at the beginning, I was like, why are you just not like kind of almost like a little bit upset at some brands? Like, how are you not just going up in size? And one small brand was like, it's hard because we actually have to go back to the drawing board and we're restructuring. So we are actually currently funding to do in a second line so that we can add more sizes. Mm-hmm. And this is something that was actually an error that I did at one point where I did a collab that went up to the 4X, but the people who got the 4X were like, the design's very different than the smaller ones. Like, did you actually have proper plus size fit models? And I go back to the brand, like go back and forth. And the answer was, we didn't have enough of those fit models that the way that it fit wasn't to their liking or they felt was not representative of what we had shown online with the way that it was like really low cut when they got it, it was higher cut. And they were like, we want the low cut too. Like we want this as well. We want that like sexy side boob going on just like the thin girls. And it took so many of these like difficult conversations to come to a place of understanding of like, sure, we really want to push like having more things and also holding a lot of grace for brands who are just doing this for the first time. They're making the efforts and there's maybe some missteps along the way. Again, like you said, there wasn't maybe a long-term plan put in place. There's not maybe as many fit models or you haven't really gone through the same amount of efforts that you did for sizes 12 and lower. Things like that, that have been like really interesting to see. I want to know your reaction to when Lizzo came out with Yiddy and the way that she announced the sizes. Did you take note of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a really a kind of special moment. And I, of course, there were kind of 
people on both sides, right? People who liked it, people who didn't. But I think for me, what really stood out in that is is the way she listed the sides, of course, going from the higher size to the lower size. Yeah. She went 6X to 2XL or something like that. And I was like, whoa, I've never seen that in my life. It was cool. And I think those little like intentional changes there make a bigger impact, right? Because they're different. It's something that does it really mm-hmm. change a, a big thing? Is it really that different? No, I mean, you're just literally switching the placement. But mm-hmm. it's something that's so different than what we've seen before that it really keeps mm-hmm. you right. And it shows you like, okay, plus is a priority here, right? Like mm-hmm. it's more than just an inclusion here. It's a priority. And for a community that's kind of been rejected from fashion for so long to see themselves made as a priority somewhere through not only that, but then the campaign imagery and everything, it feels really good, right? It feels like something that we've been fighting for. That feels like the culmination of all the work. And that feels like a community effort there to see someone, you know, launch something that is so inclusive and also really centers these people. With Rihanna and Fenty, she did it twofold because she did it not only with clothing, but she did it in makeup. And I think that was so wild to see that all of these like major brands that have been around for decades and decades and decades who just had never gone down in the darkest shades that they could or not having a wide range of foundation shades and then launching clothing that was like sexy lingerie everything again going up to a larger range of sizes and blew everyone out of the water. It was so, and I was like, Natalie, did she come in and go, I'm going to do something that nobody else really is doing. Maybe there were some smaller niche brands, like for sure there were people doing it, but she did it on such a large scale. And if I'm correct, her company is actually half owned by the Louis Vuitton, right? Yes. They're under the umbrella, I think. So like this was, this was not nothing. Like this is big across the board and they came out and like, kind of just set this set a new standard, right? Like no longer was it okay. Like they actually blew other brands out of the water, which was, which was really, really fascinating to see. And I think that there's a lot of this to go. I know a lot of people bring up ageism. I've seen Nick's do like an ageism campaign before where they're like, why do women over 40, like just stop existing in media unless it's like a depends ad. Like we have, there's so much of that going on. And I find that when you look at plus size clothing, they, there's a lot of assumptions of age and like status that kind of goes along with it. Every time it's like almost catered to somebody who is like older or like not looking for something sexy and like very mothery. And like, I don't know, they, I I've seen so many examples of like the fashion when they have like the regular section, and the plus size section and the plus size section is just like t-shirts with like like graphic tees, like over and over and over and over and over again. And just like even paying attention to it, I think makes a difference. And I think that to your point, like you never know when we're going to come into conversation with someone. You never know when we're going to see something from a brand and be like, I would love to see this come in a larger size, even if we are not the larger size, right? That ask makes a big difference. And for somebody like, I think because it's like so in our view right now, it feels like it's everywhere. It feels like it's doing great. But to just envision, like there is like momentum right now. And I really do think we need to build on that for sure. But to also like think of where things were five years ago, like always gives me chills. Like five years ago, none of this was happening. People were really struggling to find their size in anything. We weren't having, you know, these incredible representation of models in sexy swim 
not because they weren't wanting to swim, but because sexy swim wasn't available to them. We're seeing and we're changing the way that people view fat bodies and like different bodies of all different shapes and sizes and abilities because of conversations that are, I mean, look at even skims. They have accessible clothing, not, or, sorry, adaptable clothing. I never would have expected that from such a big brand to all of a sudden have adaptable clothing. Like these are huge, huge steps that brands can be taking big and small. Do you find that there is like, where is the resistance sitting? Would you say when it comes to people wanting to make that progression? And I asked this because when I was in LA, I'm like, how is this? Like every single store didn't go above a 10 or a 12. Like I, they had a 12. I tried on a 12 and it was nowhere near a true 12. It was true. It felt like Abercrombie in the 2000s where you would go in and they're like, sure, we have an XL. And you're like, are you sure? Is it an XL toddler? Like I was never able to shop there because it wouldn't, I, I struggled even in the men's section. Like I basically took on a tomboy sort of fashion style because that's all I could fit into. So I had to lean into that as hard as I could because what were my options? So it was like a sweatshirt and jeans at all times. And I mean, not that that was tough, but it's weird to reflect back on a little bit, right? So where do you think sort of that there is this resistance and gaps that we can really start making like that you would like to see happen and change? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the reason is twofold. Part of it, of course, is there's still a stigma attached here and a lot of brands don't want to be represented in that way. Um, mm. And it just doesn't fit their aesthetic. I think that's still true. I think that's less true today than it was, you know, five, 10 years ago. But I think it's yeah. prevalent at a lot of the brands. The other part of it is, like you mentioned before, kind of the investment that needs to be made here. I don't think people understand how big of an investment fit modeling is and how that's often yeah. the most expensive cost in this process. And so many of the designers in the book, they talk about that. They talk about how expensive it is to do fit modeling, to instead of just mm. kind of scaling and grading up, to actually get the models to redesign. That's a huge cost. So I think, you know, that's preventing a lot of them. And the fact that this is a new market, right? Even though we know these women are here, and like you said, like if you serve this community, they're, they're going to serve you, they're going to come out for it. It's still a new market. And with that new territory comes a lot of trepidation. It's a market that needs to be served differently. You know, even though we want equal access, we need to be marketed to differently. Because this is a population of people who have been conditioned for years to not shop at these stores, to shop only online, to hide themselves, to not wear, you know, these types of clothing. They've been conditioned for that for decades now. So to work against that, it's going to take more than just making the clothes. You're going to have to find a way to appeal to them, to welcome them, to make them feel empowered. And that takes a lot of effort. It takes a new strategy, like we said before. And so you really need to dive into that. I hope that brands will focus more on that community aspect instead of just diving in and saying, okay, we'll do it. I want them to have those conversations, dig into the community, see what the community wants, see the right way to do this, to serve them, because then it'll be a long-term thing. It won't be something where you launch plus and two years later, you have to close because it didn't sell. If you actually make a community investment, in addition to the financial investment, you'll see the return on investment there. But it's going to take time and you're going to have to have those conversations. It's not always easy to do that, to speak to people, to go directly to the source. But that's really the only way we're going to serve people because who knows what we want better than ourselves, right? Who else is going to advocate better for us than we are? So 
But mm-hmm. focusing on that, incorporating our voices there, I think that's what's going to get us to where we want to go. And I think that's what we're seeing more of today, which is exciting for me, is seeing brands investing in the community, bringing in these voices behind the scenes, really incorporating them into the brand, doing collaborations with these people. Because like you said, five years ago, that wasn't really happening. Even when yeah. I started out writing, there was one or two models that I wrote about you know, when I started out. But now there's full spectrum. I mean, every season at Fashion Week, my favorite thing is to see like the new curve and plus size models used because it's no longer people who are just industry names. There's new. Yes. And that's what's so exciting to me is, you know, back in the day when it was just kind of straight size models, a designer's big thing was them getting to introduce a new face into the world. Right. But when it came to curve, it was like, no, only if you're a celebrity, can you walk the runway? Now it's like Mm. designers are excited to introduce like a new curve model. For me, that's exciting because it's like, that opens up the door for so many people, right? You don't need to be a huge established name. You just have to be a model, just as you would if you were a straight size. Yeah, because for the longest time, it was like Ashley Graham, Ashley Graham, Ashley Graham. And Ashley Graham still sits like so high up on it all, but there's so many more with her. And it has never like diminished her career at all. There's just more. And I think like even seeing Yumi New on the cover of Sports Illustrated, seeing the reaction from people who were like mad about it, but like that was a new face. Like that was a new face for so many people. And it's exciting to kind of watch her rise and watch something as iconic as Sports Illustrated be like you're our cover like we're not just gonna have it like you're our cover and that was like such an amazing statement what they're doing especially from this like sexuality perspective because I think a lot of people can kind of go down the line of like yes women in larger bodies deserve clothes and they deserve to exist around us but like sexy it's harder for a lot of people to get there I don't know how you can look at that cover of Sports Illustrated and deny. I don't know how Jordan B. Peterson did that, but like, I don't know how you can deny how incredibly like fire that was. And like, when you watch those Fenty runways, like you're not paying attention to their cellulite because it looks flawed because it looks fierce. Like there is something guttural that is changing in us. This like unconditioning that's happening while we're watching people step boldly into these spaces. And I think it's a really powerful move. I struggle still being somebody who is straight size. And I, and I've been bouncing with this idea for a while. Like at what point do I no longer shop and put my money towards anything that won't make a difference. Like that won't make that change. There's a couple stores and they're always the ones in the mall, to be honest. Like it's when I'm panic shopping and I'm going places and then people are like, where are those pants from? And in that moment, I feel sick because I'm like, I can't even tell you because I know that they don't carry above a size 12 and I'm at their highest point of size. There's decisions like that, that are uncomfortable ones that I need to start really deeply reflecting and be like, I can no longer put my money behind places that just are choosing to not make an effort. And that's not me like calling them out and like making a big splash about it, but just truly like we all have these like everyday choices we can make. And there are so many brands that are like working and, but like as much as old Navy has, you know, made some missteps along the way, they also had like hundreds of fit models. They invested so much in, you know, expanding. And while there has been some disappointment along the way, I haven't seen a brand make that much effort in a really long time. And maybe because back when I was 14, like back when, like over 20 years ago, they were the only ones that were like they, so there's part of me that's like, there's going to be mistakes along the way. We have so many choices in how we spend our money, the places we follow the fashion, you know, that we, the fashion recommendations that we're getting, we have still a lot of control and power 
even within the realms of how we're existing and showing up in this world and and who we're choosing to support. And for anybody who's in a straight size body, I think it's incredibly important to be watching fashion amongst all different brands, even if they don't sell your size. Like there's a lot of people that are following a lot of pages that they'll never be able to wear their stuff, but we have such a conversation there and we can support so many in like the plus size modeling industry. There's a lot we can do in the realm of where we are right now. And I feel like for me, I learn more from people like Hunter McGrady and, you know, her podcast with her sister. They have a podcast called Model Citizen, which is also on Dear Media Network. So they're a really good listen. They have a lot of these like big, hard conversations. And I'm excited that you're kind of also having them, but in a really like incredible way. Talk us through as we kind of wrap up here, talk us through the book because it's coming out. It launches this August. And so tell me about, you know, in general, the whole book, what can everyone expect from it? What can they expect to kind of take away from it? Yeah, the book really chronicles kind of the evolution of plus size fashion over the years, specifically through the digital age. But it's told through all these very personal stories with the leading plus size advocates and models and influencers and designers. And so really it talks about kind of, you know, a little of the history, a little of where we're at, but it does so through all these really real stories. And so it includes over 80 people in the plus size space, all sharing their really raw and vulnerable emotions and, and personal experiences of what it's like to be here and how they touch on all these different topics. So it's all about how we've gotten to where we are today and where we have to go. And it's guided by all these stories and talks about everything, of course, from the, the intricacies of design itself two problems we still see like tokenization and racism in the industry and the big and tall industry. And, and it breaks down all these different facets here and shows us that, yes, we've experienced a lot, a lot of success. We've come a far way in 30 years, but there's still a lot longer to go. And the only way we're going to get there is together. So here's how we do it. Yeah. And do it. It's not a, what do they say? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? So not just do it trying to get to the finish line right now, but like let's take our time with this. Like, let's get it right. Let's not take our time. I think we should still be running, but I think that there is, this is a long one. Like we can't just be in it because it's trendy right now. There's going to be a time where it's maybe not so trendy anymore. And maybe there's a pushback again. And uh, God forbid we go back to the nineties and the two thousands of low rise. And, you know, being only a size two is allowed in fashion. Anything is possible. If you live in the society today, you know that anything can be reversed. And so it's incredibly important to be paying attention to the things that you care about and the values that you want to carry forward and all being a part of that, especially like that community aspect, like you said, where can everyone get the book? And is there any social pages that we can be plugging as well as you go? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the book will be anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, anywhere books are sold, you can get it. It is out August 16th. So very excited for that and to hear everyone's kind of reactions and, and excited to hear people's personal stories about positive passion as well. I think that's what I'm excited for is this book incorporates so many people's stories, but I want to hear all kind of the really personal examples, right, of, of how positive fashion has impacted people on a personal level. So excited for that. And then uh, online, we have an account that's all about the book and about this topic at powerofplus.co on Instagram. And so that's all about kind of positive fashion and what it's like to live in a plus body today. And we'll be kind of be posting there throughout the launch and onward. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I think that this is like such a teaser into the book. And I think that these personal stories is going to, I heard one time that people don't care unless it's somebody that they care about. And I think what's interesting about storytelling is it almost pushes you into a space of caring. It pushes you into these stories and the intersections of where we get it and where we hold that empathy or that understanding 
or that, you know, fire in our bellies to do something about it. So the fact that you have 80 plus people and these stories collectively telling, you know, the path of history and fashion and plus fashion and like where it's going, I think it's going to be really a game changer for so many people. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing and having this like cool conversation. And for everyone listening, I'm going to have all that details in the show notes as well. And of course, take these little nuggets and think on them a little bit. Hopefully you can read the book and really take these stories to heart or you'll feel yourself reflected through them. And I think that's just as powerful. So The Power of Plus by Gianluca Russo, and it is coming out August 16th. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.